This is your host, Amy Orsno, and welcome to the Transmit Safety Podcast, a podcast that will help you achieve a holistic approach to workplace health and safety with practical solutions introducing new or alternative ways of approach to put that value of safety into action. So fill up that workplace-approved beverage of your choice and tune in to today's episode. Are many ways that health and safety practitioners are required to collect, sort, and analyze data related to workplace health and safety. I'm going to draw upon the many examples of Dr. Leonard McCoy. I'm a health and safety practitioner, not a statistician. What is a statistician? Well, simply put, they work with formulas and data to help solve problems. They collect data, they analyze it, they look for patterns that explain behavior and make models to help predict what could be possible future outcomes. But wait, we do that, don't we, as health and safety practitioners? Right? Well, maybe, kind of, but definitely not to a statistician's competency level. A statistician might have taken just to begin with Calculus, statistics, linear algebra. Me, on the other hand, I took a philosophy class as my mass credit in university. My love hate relationship developed early on in high school as they changed the whole curriculum to math pure streams. As I struggled with bod mass in my biology class, in my physics class, in my chemistry class, I realized that mass and I were okay acquaintances, but we weren't going to be really good friends. Now, due to my lack of understanding of, you know, formal statistical analysis, I default to using industry standards. And these standards have been accepted as ways to track health and safety information. In Canada, there's the National Work Injury Disease Statistics Program that collects data on work-related, accepted, lost time claims, diseases, fatalities across 20 major industrial groups and sorts it into 10 subset categories. In North America, the U.S., Canadian, and Mexico governments agreed upon the North American Industry Classification System. This is where we can reference some of the statistical information that we're collecting and how they are being classified. Health and safety statistics, well, this is where we talk about that TIRF, that total recordable injury frequency, or the lost time frequency, LTF, the incident severity rate, the ISR. As I previously mentioned, mass isn't the best with me. I have my go-to spreadsheet with the calculations ready for input. And yes, I understand the basics of why there is a constant of 200,000, but I do defer to these industry standards on what types of health and safety statistics should health and safety practitioners be collecting. But these are just numbers. It is how these numbers are being used and interpreted that can cause issues or success when discussing workplace health and safety. 
If you have yet to hear about an interesting report from the Construction Safety Research Alliance titled The Statistical Invalidity of the TRIR as a Measure of Safety Performance, take a look at the show notes because I'll make sure to link that article, which is explained in way more detail by way more qualified, competent professionals than me. It states, among many things, that safety is a chaotic system due to the interfaces between people, culture, and policies, equipment, regulations, and other external factors such as the economy, weather, natural events. This paper goes on to provide kind of four key takeaways from statistical analysis of 3.2 trillion work hours. That's over 17 years of data. The first takeaway is that there's no discernible association between the TRIR and fatalities. The occurrence of recordable injuries is almost entirely random. That the TRIR is not precise and should not be communicated to multiple decimal points of precision. And in nearly every practical circumstance, it is statistically invalid to use TRIR to compare companies, business units, projects, or teams. So why have we put so much weight into these numbers? Why is the TRIR one of the must-submit numbers in the bidding process on projects? Why are companies still using it to measure the success of their health and safety program? But that is a whole nother episode in its entirety. I would be doing this topic and this episode a little bit of a disservice if I didn't talk about a very common classification used pretty much on every project and within every company that I have worked in. The classification is called the Smoke Shack Stat. This classification can take many different forms, but as Shakespeare says, what's in a name that which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet? Let me put the smoke shack classification into context for you. Years ago, I was expected to attend a monthly health and safety meeting for a client. That's pretty average, right? We attend client meetings as required. This meeting gathered all health and safety practitioners from the contractors on site, and it was encouraged that members of operations would also attend this health and safety themed meeting. I'm going to say the quiet part out loud. This meeting was lame. It had zero value in attending. In fact, the meeting location wasn't even in the camp on site that had the good coffee. The only reason I was present was simply put was due to the contractual obligation of having a company representative at this meeting. Now, there were times when there was value, when there was a good conversational point, but it was pulling teeth getting operational people to attend the meeting with me because it just didn't have any day-to-day application for them. So there were times when the team lead on site would be available 
and we would go over, we would wander over together to the large meeting room, grab a seat, turn our phones off for a little bit of a reprisal, and sit down to listen to the site updates. The site updates that included the project health and safety statistics, or more importantly, the lagging health and safety statistics. There were even times when a contractor was expected to share their lessons learned from an incident. That could have been a value add, but for the most part, again, I'm just going to be honest, sometimes I struggled to find a key takeaway due to the various scopes of work and whether or not it related to our organization, our scope of work on the project. Now, during this particular meeting, the important smoke shack classification highlighted some key things about the client, as well as the other health and safety practitioners sitting in that meeting. It was very enlightening to know how the client was going to be classifying a very particular incident, specifically because it was a benefit of their stats. They did not want to have this injury on their project stats. But what was more enlightening about this meeting was the length of time that was allocated to discussing the smoke shack classification. And no, they didn't call it the smoke shack classification. But what is this smoke shack classification? Have you, you might be asking yourself, have you figured it out? Well, that's when for some reason or another, an incident that happens on site is justified as either being non-work related or not reportable to the client. What happens in the smoke shack stays in the smoke shack. Unless, wait, but what if our workers are in the smoke shack and they're actively working in the smoke shack? Does that count? Or what if they're in the smoke shack and they're on the break? The meeting took over 45 minutes discussing various situations and whether or not they were going to be or should be classified as smoke shacks. Thinking about it today, I can't even remember the details of the incident that they were initially reviewing. Needless to say, someone got hurt while they were in the smoke shack, which was on site. That worker was in camp but they weren't actively working. They were on break. The client wasn't going to add that injury to their project stats. The contractor, however, might have had to include that stat into WCB, OHNS, and according to their internal reporting requirements. The health and safety practitioners from various contractors working all on the same site for the same client were confused on how to classify an incident. And I found this so frustrating because it should have been very clearly defined in the project-specific safety plan, in your company's health and safety manual on how you will be classifying incidents and injuries. Simply put, the main message that was taken away from this meeting from me was that the client only wanted to accept particular injuries because it impacted their stats. And that is the more important element of that conversation. 
Yes, they wanted to talk about lessons learned. Yes, they wanted to learn about the corrective actions. But the content, the body of that meeting was, we don't want that on our stats. The event happened. We need to realize that how we talk and think about the event is also important. The smoke shack classification discussion, I think, had an unintended consequence. For me, it was confirming that it was more about the classification of an event rather than learning a lesson from the investigation. But for my team lead who was sitting in that meeting that day, they also made a very direct conclusion. In fact, the smoke shack classification became a long-running joke on that project. When reporting an incident or a near-miss into me, the team would say, but don't worry, it happened in the smoke shack, so we don't need to tell anybody. Or we'll do this work in the smoke shack. Now, it was made in jokingly fashion, but it really made an impact on that team lead who then went back and shared it with their team. Why am I sharing this story with you? Because how we as health and safety practitioners react to the numbers matter. How we as health and safety practitioners decide to act on those numbers matters. How we decide to classify those numbers matter. But each number on, the, on your injury statistics spreadsheet is a person. Each number on that injury statistics spreadsheet has a ripple effect into your workplace, into families, into communities. So how we collect, sort, analyze, and communicate workplace health and safety data matters. How do you do this? Well, that's where we are as a profession right now. I think there's a lot of discussion happening about what types of data should we be collecting and what type of weight should we be providing this information. But more importantly, how do we analyze it and communicate it to people who are making decisions when it comes to workplace health and safety? So the answer really isn't there yet. That's part of the conversation. That's part of the continuous improvement model of workplace health and safety. But for me, I would say let's do it in a way that lets the people that we work with know that we give a shit about them, that they're not just a number, that we know that it has a ripple effect, and that we care about them regardless of whether or not they get injured in or out of the smoke shack. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please feel free to share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're currently listening to.